You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. now with Kelsey and Brad of the documentary Geek and You Shall Find. They are also part of the uh, SuperheroFaces.com website and I want to say that I am so glad that you guys reached out when you saw that I did it as part of my 365 movie challenge uh, because I really, I actually started talking to a couple of my friends up here in uh, Phoenix that are part of the movie making scene. It's like, does anybody know these people? I'd love to talk to them. So, Are you serious? Yes, I am serious. That is so cool. What thank a small you. world. Well, yeah, thank you so much. The power of social media. Uh, yeah. You guys aren't privy to it, but we're talking about social media right before this. So it's like so crazy how connected it can make you be. So thank you. It's really, yeah, it really is. So I guess, I mean, the best part I want to, first thing I want to ask is what made you want to make a documentary about geek culture? Yeah, definitely. So um, like you mentioned, we're a part of SuperheroFaces.com. And originally it started where we were just going to Comic-Cons and we were talking to different cosplayers about why they were dressing up as certain characters. And, you know, some of them, as you might imagine, were saying like, oh, I look like this person or I liked this cartoon growing up or whatever it might be. Um, but we started getting some really in-depth answers. Um, so if you watch Geeking, you shall find you're going to see some of those. Um, one of my personal favorites is this man that was dressed up like Wonder Woman. And he was saying, you know, he grew up, he was uh, gay, he was um, a part of a culture that was already a little bit more stigmatized here. You know, he just didn't feel like he really connected with anybody. And um, he decided to go to, I think it was WonderCon mm -hmm. in LA. I want to say. It was, yeah, it was WonderCon. Was it WonderCon? Maybe or Kamikaze. Or maybe Kamikaze. We've been to a lot yeah, of these. No. <laughs> um, no, and it just like really struck a chord with us. Um, and just afterwards, we were just like, there are such deeper reasons that these people are dressing up as these characters. It doesn't matter what gender you are. It doesn't matter what sexuality, religion, race, whatever it might be. Um, there's a real way that these people are being helped by these characters. So it just really kind of struck a chord with me personally. Um, I, I don't want to speak on Brad's behalf on why he wanted to um, be able to make this into a, a full-fledged documentary. But, you know, if you guys believe in science from the universe, uh, the fact that we are literally nobody, I would say, and we've been able to get some of the most amazing people, um, Stanley, George R. R. Martin, Kevin Eastman, um, who were just absolutely wonderful and so helpful in making this. Like, it's just, I don't know, I think that was a sign that we had a story to tell, and we're just very fortunate to be able to tell other people's stories in a way that hopefully inspires other people to find their own inner superhero. So you were doing something else. You were, you were doing interviews just in general, like conventions and mm -hmm. You decided, okay, we have enough material. Why not make a documentary kind of thing? Yeah, so kind of bouncing off what Kelsey said, you know, I, I've always been interested in kind of like following the path of your favorite hero and kind of recognizing why you might gravitate towards one superhero over another and just try, trying to hopefully encourage people to ask themselves those questions of why might I like Star Wars more than Star Trek? Why might I like this character more than this character? But what we found early on was people had already thought that stuff through. And, you know, I had thought originally going in, like, oh, maybe it'll make them question a little bit of, like, oh, what can I do to be more like this superhero? But a lot of people had, you know, kind of figured that out already. And one of the other people that we spoke with early on that really struck a chord with us was someone just as Anakin Skywalker. Mm -hmm. And he had said that um, when he was a child, his mother had passed away, and he realized he had one or two paths to follow is he could either let the anger of this consume him or he can go the, the you know, the path of the light way. Right, and, right. and said, like, I kind of looked to Anakin as a role model. And he kind of looked like Anakin, which was fitting. And <laughs> what he does now is goes to children's hospitals, dressed up as Anakin Skywalker. And, you know, so he walks in with other Star Wars characters and kids light up at seeing their favorite Star Wars characters and just stuff like that it was really interesting. They see that people had thought this stuff ahead of, well, this is why I like this character. And I think at that point we were like, okay, we need to share these stories on a bigger scale than what we originally anticipated. 
so the funny thing is, is that I also, when I was watching it, um, I had right in the middle of it, a friend of mine who you guys actually interviewed, I, I don't think you used any of her answers, but you did use her as a pose and stuff like that. I immediately got on the phone. I was like, I texted her. I was like, Hey, do you know that you're in this documentary that's on Amazon prime? And she's like, what? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I snapped a picture of it. So I hope you don't mind about that. No, but she no. immediately went and, went and got it off of Amazon and watched it. So Was it Wonder, the Wonder Woman? Woman? It was the Wonder Woman. Oh, my gosh. We saw her okay. tweet. Yes, yeah. we saw the tweet. So, um, you know, I was like stalking us online. That's how I actually found you, that you'd watched oh. it. I was like, I looked up Geeking Show Fine because I was like, we got to see if people are talking about this. I don't know how. Like, I don't know how social media works. I feel like I'm a boomer. I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah, so, like, we saw that. And she was like, oh, like, you know, your girl's here on th- for three seconds. So I got it. Oh, my God, that's so cool. Because there's so many people that, you know, we do showcase or that we did um, that we did initially interview just for, like, you know, just mm-hmm. for our website or YouTube. And, you know, it ended up being this bigger project. And we just didn't know how to get a hold of them or anything like that. So that's so cool. I hope. And Anyone I remember out there that cosplays. Her. I remember her specifically because that day we weren't doing interviews. We were literally just mm-hmm. set up to get people posing. Oh, okay. So I don't know, like the Deadpool's dancing mm-hmm. and kind of that stuff. We had literally just set up an area on the side of the Comic-Con and was like, hey, do you want to strike your favorite superhero pose? So I remember her being super apprehensive. And, and like you really do like feel where these people are coming from a lot. And that's what was so surprising is people opened up to us right away like to yeah. share those kind of stories they did. Like I would need to know you for weeks before I told you like <laughs> anything about me. And, you know, a lot of people worry a lot of times like unfortunately there is a, you know a situation out there where people do like shove a camera in, fr- in mm-hmm. front of someone's face hoping to maybe say something stupid or something embarrassing right. you know now we can run with this so i understand why people would be apprehensive but i remember her specifically because she opened up like after a little bit and i was like okay cool like you know so it's good that people do open up and trust you yeah because she did tell me she was like uh you know this was the one of the first times like she had ever done cosplay and she was very nervous about the whole thing so the fact that you guys opened up or at least talked wanted to talk to her and talked about her costume and stuff like that like it made it because she does it all the time now she she's a huge into the scene so that is so so cool cool. yeah Yeah, and like what brad was saying yeah we don't ever want to make anyone feel like they're an outsider we want to be able to include everybody and what a way to do that you know at comic cons there's just such an inviting community everyone there is just so absolutely great so we are thankful to her (laughs) to allowing us and trusting us to be able to show her awesome awesome costume you guys got to see it in our documentary. <laughs> in <your> documentary. <laughs> and speaking of Wonder Woman, too, it's interesting. The gentleman that Kelsey referred to that was dressed up as Wonder Woman at the at the com- whichever Comic Con it was. Gosh, I know. Um, I can't even remember. Had Lord thanked us after the interview and said, like, I want to thank you guys for interviewing me. I felt kind of, you know, like not included. I'm seeing other people get pulled for interviews and things like that. And, and it's one of those things like. Obviously, Kelsey and I are big on inclusion, but you still don't realize like a small gesture like that like means something to someone. It wasn't even something we were trying to do. Like, oh, no one's talking to him. Let's get him. It was just there's no reason not. Oh, there's a good cosplayer that is in an interesting costume. Let's talk to him. I thought he looked banging. He looked great. Yeah, 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 it was awesome. It was a very like revealing Wonder Woman. So we said like this took a lot of guts for me. I was very apprehensive about doing this and coming here, and the fact that like I was feeling uncomfortable up until you guys spoke with me. So again, was another example of I'm glad we were able to make someone feel like you can open up, you know, you can share part of yourself and you don't have to worry about people out there to get you. Mm-hmm. So how many cons did you, did you actually do to make the whole video, the whole movie? Oh my gosh. I don't even know. There was times where we were literally going to LA and we were there, would be there for less than 24 hours. Cause at one point, um, uh, we were having, like, we had full-time jobs at one point of it. Some points we didn't, <laughs> some points that we were able to just dedicate at least 10, no, yeah, yeah probably yeah. about 10. Comic, Phoenix Comic Con, I would say like three times, maybe two yeah. or three times like that one alone. At least that mm-hmm. one. And we went to LA a few times, a few different ones there. Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, so at least that may. I don't even know. That's a, probably something we should look into. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think our bank accounts don't want us to know, know. how many times I we know. went to. Tucson. <laughs> yeah, we Tucson, went to, yeah, Tucson, right? That's how you say it. Oh, two Tucson. In, two, two in Tucson, because it was Tuscan. I think it's Tuscan. Yeah, Tuscan or whatever you and say. And the other one was the one we interviewed um, from Diamond's Children's Hospital. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. a separate yeah, one. Yeah, so there's a few times yeah. that we went a to A lot of them blend together because, like Elsie said, <laughs> oh, we yeah. drive to there and just come back and then go again and come back. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It sounds like we might have 
have passed each other like several times because we were we we're at all those at cons the same shows. Oh yeah, I'm sure probably, and it's just amazing how many people are there. Yeah, There's like so many you know people, what I mean. Yeah. yeah, even just that superhero Saturday the other day, there was this guy that had these really cool glasses, and I was like, oh, this is so cool. He's like, yeah, I'm at Phoenix Fan Fusion all the time, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I never seen it because it's they're just in huge convention centers, oh, yeah. you know. So it's just awesome, but be able to being able to like see everyone there, and like if you do happen to run into anybody, it's like finding a four leaf clover. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So from conception of idea like to release date what how what what time period are we talking about time span two years probably about two and a half yeah Yeah, probably about two and a half years um because once we got serious about making a documentary um there was a lot of holes that we wanted to fill and that and brad was really crucial in doing all that and setting up all those interviews and researching all of that um i mean we traveled even to new york sometimes for some of these people um for interviews and things like that because once we once i mean once you kind of started digging into it and finding you there was geek therapy and all these different things that we wanted to be able to speak to we wanted to speak to people that were really going to be able to talk about it because you know we might have an interest in this but we want to be able to do the story justice yeah, and I think that's Kelsey's reporting side. I'm a little bit more on like the geek side of things, of just being super into this stuff and wanting to talk about it and just geek out with people. And Kelsey comes from a more like responsible kind of like background. <laughs> I think a little bit of you know ensuring we're talking to the right people, making sure we're ready for interviews, making sure we're prepared, and kind of giving people the best like options to share their story so it's kind of like a good dynamic uh, of kind of both and Kelsey like ensuring like we need to be speaking to the right people we need to be speaking to like the professionals and you know I'm like well I just want to meet this artist like (laughs) uh, a lot of times it's like a give and take so okay then what was it that made you think hey I want to go back and because you don't just do conventions in the documentary you you go back to the beginning of comic books. You go back to, you know, the start of uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Like, where, what made you think this is the areas I want to cover? These are the areas I want to research. What, what clicked? I mean, honestly, a lot of it is so organic. Like, I was actually talking to someone about it the other day, and they were like, oh, how do you script the documentary? I'm like, you really can't script because you have to be ready to, go with the flow in so many situations. You don't know what answers are going to, or what questions are going to get better answers. You don't know what's going to match up, you know, editing wise. There are so many things you have to figure out on the fly and you could, it's great to, Kelsey always make sure we're super prepared, but as much as you could be super prepared, you have to be ready to kind of like do stuff on the fly and then also in post and, and editing. So a lot of it is just kind of organic of figuring stuff out. And I noticed the trend when, you know, when we got to this and I was ta- wanting to include all these things that I love and I'm passionate about. I'm like, Oh, we got to get Star Wars in there. Oh, people are going to have a fit if we don't get this in there. And the one common thread, I think, was comic books. And mm-hmm. a lot of people won't stop and think about comic books have inspired literally every medium we have right now that, that is popular. I mean, from Star Wars, one that we didn't get to include, which I'm really regretful of, is Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And the fact that when Star Trek first came out, it wasn't successful and it got canceled, I want to say, after three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but the comics lived on, and they continued to pu- publish the comic books, and people started to buy the comic books more and more. The cartoon came out, and those kind of things made it say, okay, let, maybe we can do a movie. And I think in 1979, they did the movie, but it was the comic books running in the 70s that kept people into this world, brought in new fans, and kind of kept that franchise alive. And that's one of those things people don't stop and think about how influential comics were in something else. And we have so much footage that yeah. did not make yeah. it. We joke around that we could, we say we could make like five documentaries oh, yeah. like oh, yeah. after this. Um, yeah, because everyone, like, you know, to Brad's point, like, you know, someone would say something and it would just like, oh, okay, well, we need to find out more about this. Like, what's this all about? And like, you know, oh, who's that person? Oh, let me get you connected with this person. So it really started off with that. And actually one of the first um, like rough drafts, I guess you want to say, of our documentary uh, that we showed our friends had a lot more Joseph Campbell in it. And I know it really hurt Brad's heart (laughs) to cut a lot of that out. But, you know, just as amazing as he is, like, you know, to his point, we were just able to kind of get all of our creative juices together with Nick and Arvin, who are also part of our team, um, and just be able to like really hone in. It's general, but specific at the same time. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, the Star Trek stuff too. We asked a ton of Star Trek stuff because mm-hmm. the expectation was to include that, and it just wasn't able. Because once you start walking down that road of like some things, you can are more like measurable. Like okay, Star Wars. George Lucas was a comic book fan, wanted the rights to Flash Gordon. 
couldn't get them, made Star Wars. That one's pretty cut and dry of like how comic books played a role. But like Star Trek, like that gets kind of debatable. How much was that influential that the comic books were continuing to be published? And that kept, there's no like clear cut answer. So a lot of times that kind of stuff had to get cut because it's like, okay, at what point are we just infusing our opinion and kind of reaching for things? And what are their clear cut examples of, okay, this is obvious. Like George R. Martin is talking to us about comic books, shaping his storytelling. That one's obvious. But the fact that we didn't have people from Star Trek. I think but, we only got Nichelle Nichols, I think was right, the person. Right, right. And we mm-hmm. weren't talking to her about comics, which is more of her experiences on the shows. But had we been able to get maybe a creator or someone who said, oh, yeah, I was a big comic book fan, maybe that would have been different. Mm-hmm. So what was the what was the coolest uh, guest you got to talk to or, you know, speaker? Uh, what was the, what was that big one? I mean, I mean, Stanley, like, yeah. of course, but George R. R. Martin too, uh, just, you know, like Game of Thrones and stuff. So amazing. But I, I mean, Stanley and the fact that, you know, unfortunately he passed away um, recently, like the fact that we were able to talk to him and like, you know, a lot of people ask us about him and we only met, we met him a couple times. We were able to do a few things with him. Um, but like, it's like, you know, you have these really high expectations of him and like how awesome he is and how cool he is. And he just absolutely blows us out of the water. Like, it's just <laughs> not even any way that you can describe it without meeting him. And if you do meet him or even like just seeing him, you know, on these shows and his interviews, um, that's exactly who he is. He's witty. He's smart. He was so, so beyond nice. Like we got into his office and we joke around about this. We're so nervous. We're like, oh my God, we're going to interview Stanley. <laughs> we're like setting up our lights out in the hallway. Like we look like absolutely crazy people. Like we're not even in his office we're like setting up things that that we can set up and then we're like carrying them in because like the person um that helped us get it was like okay you guys have 20 minutes that's it and i don't even was even 20 was it 15 i don't even know i forget it was something very they had approved the questions in advance so we made sure i think it was like 10 questions so i'm like man that's a lot of like how do we ask him 10 questions (laughs) or like sum up everything Mm -hmm. in comic book history so yeah and he was just absolutely amazing i mean that for me yeah stanley was definitely mine I think aside from the obvious ones, like the Stan Lees and the George R. R. Martins that, I, you know, I'm a big Ninja Turtles fan growing up. So obviously Kevin Eastman Kevin was Eastman, a big one. Yeah. But aside from like the obvious ones, Bob Walter, who's the president of the Joseph Campbell Foundation, just getting to hear his thoughts like that one. Like that awesome. conversation to me was my, maybe my favorite of Kelsey and mm-hmm. him just kind of like having this like natural conversation like obviously we had questions ahead of time but kelsey just asking one-off questions and kind of them spinning off into like what really became a discussion was one of my favorites to just like sit there and kind of become like almost a fan of like forgetting (laughs) i'm filming this and just being like oh this is good and then the other was roy thomas who i I think a lot of people kind of forget like he's had his hand in like everything and people forget i mean you know and you look at all the stuff recently thor ragnarok i mean that that's roy thomas all the a lot of the Iron Man storylines that have been adopt, adapted to Roy Thomas. I mean, the fact that it was him who debated with Stanley about bringing Star Wars to Marvel Comics and then not wanting to do mm-hmm. science fiction. You think about, okay, like, did that save Marvel Comics at a time it was struggling? And you kind of just look at all. And, and I know I'm, I'm not naming like a lot of them, but he's had his hands in so many different like franchises that I think it gets taken, like, it gets kind of like brushed over a lot because of some of the other names people are more familiar with. Mm-hmm. Was there one particular experience outside of interviewing someone that would just either odd you or, you know, just took you back while making this? Oh, man. I mean, we talk about like these cosplayers all the time, just sharing their stories with us and being so open and honest. Um, But I mean, something that's like funny that was kind of on us a little bit was actually how we got to interview George R. R. Martin. Okay. Um, it was so crazy. So, uh, Brad happened to look up his schedule. He had two, uh, showings or appearances, appearances that, that whole, whole year. year. One was in London. One was in Tucson at Tuscon. Yeah. Tuscon. Really? Okay. Now I'm saying it. And we're like, you know what? We're just going to go down there. Let's just go. Um, Brad had reached out to someone was like, yeah, like George is going to be here on a panel. Um, I mean, like, I can't guarantee anything, but if you guys stick around after, like, I'll see what's going on. So we're, like, sticking around. Like, we would film the panel, and, like, a little bit of it is in there. Um, And then so we go up to this guy, and we're like, he's not going to remember us. Like, what? And then we're like, hey, like, hey, I'm Brefe. Hey, I'm Kelsey Dickerson. Um, We're from Superhero Faces. We talked to you about maybe meeting George. And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay. Hey, yeah, George. Uh, Yeah, so they were looking to interview, and he's like, 1 o'clock, one fifteen. Or like something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it was like two twelve or like something yeah, like whatever we had his room no idea was. what he was talking yeah. about. We had no idea. We were like, what? What does that mean? And then like he walked off, and we're like, 
what, what do we do with that? Like, what do we, and then like we broke it. They were like, okay, one o'clock, two twelve. Like it was one o'clock, one fifteen or like something, something like that. Yeah, like and what he crazy. meant by one fifteen was his hotel room. So like he walked off, and I'm like, did he just give us his hotel room number? And then like Kelsey's like, yeah, I think so. And I'm like, there's no way. Like he just met us ten seconds ago. Like he's not giving us his hotel. <laughs> and then like we went up there, and then like well first we went to this part of the hotel that was like under construction, and we're like he gave us like a bunk number. Like this area of the hotel is not even open up. And ended up there were like two separate towers. So we're running late at that point. Almost, we're like almost, almost not like, making. Yeah, yes. yeah. Like we're cutting it close. So we're running and sweating. We find out from someone downstairs. Oh no, there's another tower to this hotel so then we went up and he just answered the door and we went in and we interviewed him and it was like so nuts we literally went into a part of the hotel that was under construction like there wasn't doorknobs anywhere or anything like that and then where he was yeah there's nothing and we're like how are we even allowed up here we're gonna like fall through the ceiling but then when we finally got over there like the way that like where his room was was like you had to go through the gate for the pool oh, or yeah, something right. like that. So like we didn't, we weren't staying there. We didn't have that. Um, but that's just like a really funny thing to tell. And then once we got up there, he was like really super awesome. Um, and just like really cool. But I would have to say, um, interviewing everybody from comic was probably, mm. um, one of the most like heartfelt. And I still sometimes like, I mean, just how passionate they are about giving back. And these kids, truly are going through everything and just when we were just there and just seeing them like they truly lit up when these characters came in like you know whether they knew who they were or not like the fact that someone's coming to visit them they were dropping off gifts for them um there was this one little girl who was just so adorable um tony stark who is an absolutely amazing cosplayer. He's here locally in Arizona. Um, he put his Iron Man um, mask on her and she just like went to town. She was dancing. She was just, it was just absolutely amazing. And the fact that, you know, there's so many selfless people out there um, is really something that like really opened my eyes. Um, and I think is what is so important to me about this um, film is that, you know, it is so much more than just entertainment. It's so much more than what people think. Um, that geek culture is, you know, a lot of people think it's like, oh, you're just dressing up or, oh, you just like this character, but there are people out there doing real good for people. And it's really, truly making a difference in, in these lives, not of just these kids, but these families. And it just trickles down and it's just, mm -hmm. it's just really awesome. I getting goosebumps thinking about it all <laughs> over again, but those, those people truly are superheroes. Yeah. I mean, most awe-inspiring thing to me was just how open everyone is with their time and willing to speak with us especially two people who we had nothing to show at the time we were starting and, and even all these people i'm fans of like travis langley and all the batman and psychology books like i remember first getting that book and reading all of his books after so even these people that i'm like geeking out about and be like, oh they're not going to give us the time of day they got a million things going on like you know unless we were able to promise like oh we're this is going to be on you know abc or something like that we, we couldn't make it we're like hey we're filming this film and we'll see what happens and that was like enough of them and just like that's really cool that people would like give their time and you know like i said too like open up to us in terms of the cosplayers and sharing their story to people they literally just met well, that was the most like inspiring part especially when we're dragging them to like these hallways at oh, comic-con yeah, yeah. so like we're just like trying to find rooms that aren't being used yeah. that are quiet and like we have like a really plain background um yeah it's so funny they'll be like okay yeah like do you guys have a room or like whatever and we'll be like um, just meet us up here Point and like we'll here. just hope that there's like no panel going on so that like just kind of worked out a lot and we're yeah. like these people probably think we're like serial killers or something <laughs> like <laughs> there were a lot of lucky breaks like we're in this room we have no permission if someone walks in for a panel in the middle of this interview they're gonna you say you guys out. gotta go like yeah that that was nuts yeah that was so crazy so was did you have experience in this type of uh, media before this did you were you made, did you go to film school? Did you, did you guys, uh, were journalists or anything mm -hmm. like that? So Brad definitely went to film school. He went to Cronkite at mm -hmm. ASU. Um, I went to business school at ASU, um, and I did PR for a while. And then that's actually how I started getting my on-camera experience was through superheroefaces.com because Brad and Arvin were like, hey, we want to do videos. And I was like, hey, cool, I want to tell stories, whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, let's do it. Let's go have fun. So that was basically all that I had. Um, and we had just been working together for a while, and we all had, like, a really good, tight relationship, so we work really well together. Um, but yeah, I was starting really from scratch. So I really relied on them <laughs> to help me out. And I actually owe my career right now to them. So thank you. Thank you, yeah. Brad. I was a journalism major and I was in college and I had taken all my classes and then I started to get into 
film and I was just you know it was an elective like one or two years that I was just taking film class and at some point I just kept taking classes to the point where you know my counselor was like you're taking all these electives they're not even going towards anything at this point like do you want to graduate at some point you need to start <laughs> taking classes you need to take and I'm like no I just enjoy this and she's like you know on your schedule here you have screenwriting you have uh, an editing course like and two other courses like three of them are just gonna give you extra electives like there's no point to doing this I'm like I'm just into it so <laughs> yeah it took me I was in college for 10 years and a lot of and I, I swear I don't think I ever failed a class but when people look and see I went to college for 10 years they're like oh man you must have really been strong I'm like no I just took a bunch of unnecessary classes and now I have like the student debt to pay for it but so yeah I mean I'm really fortunate in that at the time you know something captured my interest and I didn't just say oh well this doesn't make you know logistical sense I just want to graduate because then I wouldn't have gotten to learn the experience that I did and then that ended up getting me my first full-time jobs doing videography and editing because I had taken those electives and I mean I haven't really even used the journalism side that much <laughs> maybe hopefully minus like the integrity of you know, editing, like I learned a lot in terms of like ethics from journalism classes, but I'm not writing, you know, for a newspaper. I'm not really using the pyramid, the upside down pyramid thing we learned right, and like right. all that fun stuff. Like, so it's crazy. You never know when something's just going to jump out and bite you and you got to kind of follow it. And did those classes prepare you for documentary style filmmaking? I took one documentary class. Um, and it was it was really interesting. We, we did a, um, it was a short documentary class and literally the whole class, your whole grade was just based on your final project. Wow. There was nothing else. So it was, it was very interesting to be like in a trustworthy class like that with a professor who didn't baby you. It wasn't, Oh, show me your outline next week. Show me this next week. We went to class every day and you worked with your group on, okay, what do we need? If you had interviews scheduled that day, you didn't go to class. But your final grade came to the final day of class. Everyone showed their short film. And I'll never forget, we were editing. I mean, we worked really hard in it all semester. Like, we honestly, honestly did. But we saved the editing till the very end, which was a mistake. <laughs> so the last... The, our class was on a Monday morning. Friday night, we started at the editing. And we literally slept at the, like, lab at ASU Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And when I say sleep, I mean we drank a lot of, like, Red Bulls mm -hmm. and, like, just eating disgusting. Come Monday morning, so it's, like, 6 in the morning, Monday morning. Our class is in, like, four hours. It was three of us in a group. It was me, Charles, and Jasmine. Jasmine ends up having to go to the hospital so we have to drive her to the hospital because like from too much we, Red Bull or from like, like yeah like she started getting like stomach pains wow. so I have to drive her to the hospital while Charles is still editing I get back and he's like we just lost the hard, hard drive and I was like what and he was like the hard drive just fried and I'm like yeah we've been using it for like 64 straight hours like of course it fried so he's like I know someone on campus who might be able to like extract what's in the hard drive and put it in another oh, and geez. by that point like class is almost starting so I went to class and Charles isn't in there. I'm literally just, everyone else is showing their student film. I'm like, this is insane. And then Charles came in and just gave me like one of these. And I was like, so luckily we showed ours last. So that's how like close we cut it. So yeah, I learned a lot in a documentary class about don't leave things to the last second. So yeah, it was helpful. Everybody forgets how, how much editing actually needs to be done. Yeah. And that was the first time I'd done it on like of something of like that magnitude of having all these, you know, I've done editing where you do two or three interviews and you interweave them. I mean, like this was the first time. Yeah. Right, exactly. Like a five minute pack. This is the first time where, you know, you don't even have the story in place and you don't have your music picked out and you don't have B-roll and coverage and all that stuff. And we were figuring that, figuring that out like the whole weekend. So yeah, that was an experience. So what was that documentary about? <laughs> that was, um, it was called May Cause. Um, and it was actually about people who had decided they wanted to find like alternative medication to oh. what they had been prescribed and saying, oh, my doctor had, you know, prescribed me, you know, whether it be like Ritalin or like some kind of prescription. Like I wanted to try and see if there was like an alternative means. So it was following around like five different people as they kind of saw if this was something that was a you know alternative route they want to go whether it be like exercise or meditation and that kind of stuff and then getting there was like a machine that people were getting hooked up to that gave you readings of like your health um so like it was people like going through that and so it kind of followed along like that process a little bit so you were yeah. fighting big pharma before people uh, were fighting big pharma we actually had that. we had a former a former like pharmaceutical rep 
was one of our like big big interviews that when we got and she was just telling us like how much the business side of this stuff works and yeah it was really eye-opening experience to like learn about that stuff can i ask what the would you end up being the grade oh oh what did we (laughs) so i do remember this was flattering he actually so the rule was it had to be because you know he was like in this world like if you're told to make something for tv you're given the exact time frame you don't get wiggle room which is true Mm -hmm. so he said something along the lines of um it needs to be between 20 minutes and like 20 minutes and 22 seconds or like something along those lines and we were like three minutes over so i remember he said something along the lines of like i've never given an a to anyone who's you know either gone under or over this is the first time i've done it so that's how much like you know kudos to you guys so yeah we got a good i remember getting a great i don't remember if it was like a 90 i remember him penalizing us but saying like okay i'm not gonna dock you a grade like i said i would so that was really cool could you imagine having to go in there and be like uh one of our people are in the hospital yeah. we had rebel all weekend the hard drive Friday. Well, I didn't want to like, say yeah, that right. because then I have to like explain that we were editing as of this morning. <laughs> so I kept thinking that I was like, I should talk to him about what's going on. And I'm like, then he's gonna be like, well, why'd you wait till Friday to start editing this? So I was like, Hilarious. I'm just gonna pretend everything's okay and just like wait for Charles <laughs> to come in and hope everything pans out. So oh yeah. Okay, so Eddie uh, experiences like that in making this documentary that was, you know, last second or cut, skin skin your teeth type of thing that you'd love to <laughs> yes. give a little bit of behind the scenes to. Just yes, uh, definitely. So, I mean, even interviewing Stan Lee, we didn't... So, we had been in talks with um, someone that he was working with at the time. And, like, we were going back and forth on, like, okay, he's like, okay, we can get you this time. And then he'd be like, no, like, sorry. And then, like, literally, was it, like, two or three days before? That we found out. That, that we, we found out yeah. that we're going to be do- yeah, actually going to be able of, to do it. It was, like, yeah. the week of, so we're here in Phoenix. He's in L.A. And then he's like, okay, like, this day at this time. And we're like, okay, like, we're booking a flight. So, like, that was, like, really crazy. We had a lot of stuff like that happen with, like, these big names that we didn't, like, really We didn't have. know the office address. Yeah. Like, until <laughs> we the night before. LA. We were in L.A. the <laughs> night before. <laughs> And he called me during dinner and was like, oh, I got the address for you guys. A lot of stuff was just like in good wow. faith of like hoping things work out. I mean, yeah. I told Kelsey the whole time. I said, at some point, all of this is going to catch up to us and something terrible is going to happen and we need to be ready for it. And it never did, thankfully. Like, yeah. But we caught so many breaks. Like the George R. R. Martin, we could easily drove to Tucson mm-hmm. then say, we don't know what you're talking about. Like, you can't interview George R. R. Martin. <laughs> okay. And then like tail tucked between your legs, you drive back to Phoenix. Like I kept waiting for one of those experiences and we got yeah. really lucky. Yeah, but I think like probably talking about the skin in your teeth and talking about editing and stuff like that. So, um, so Ram, uh, who is the author of um, Priya Shakti he has become like a mentor to Brad yeah. and like has been like super great with us and um, he actually just was like I love this film because uh, Brad sent him like a rough copy of like a digital like version or whatever that was like basically the final like yeah, it was close. Yeah. close to being the final and he like just sent it off to like his own distribution um, thing that had like been doing that had done films for him and then they just reached out to us and were like okay hey like we want to do this like have it done by this date and we'll get you like a deal. And so it was like something really crazy yeah. where we were still editing it. Nick, I think had like so many overnighters that he was doing and like editing and things like that. So that was one thing where we were like, okay, if we're going to make this done, like we got to make it. I recorded all my VO. That's why it's not the best, but like I recorded all my VO in Arvin's kitchen, like an environment like this, like where I'm literally just seeing the stuff the for the first time, of it being the due. week of it being due. Yeah. It's like, so it was like a lot of that was just like one read through, which is like obviously not the best way to do it and probably not the best way to sell it. Um, but, but yeah, it was like so. There was some stuff like that. That's that true. That, like, yeah, the <laughs> p- final. You think I'd learn my lesson about leaving things? So yeah, Brad. Well, I was listening yeah. to that story. No still story. no, still no. Um, but that one like was kind of our, out of our control. It just kind of mm-hmm. it, it was like and April, and we yeah. found out they were like, okay, we if we can get this by end of month. And there were just so many things that we didn't take into consideration, like how long the graphics take to build out, like things that we're like, oh yeah, we'll knock out like the cut. Co- you know, we didn't have a lot of B-roll for stuff that we needed to cover, like when Kelsey's talking about, oh, that you know, Marvel Comics within a few years of each other, Thor, the Fantastic Four, and all you know, all these new characters were introduced all within like a three-year time period. Like Nick had to build out like something, and then the geek part of me was like. 
oh, I wanted all these like little Easter eggs. And part of it was the Easter eggs and part of it was just me being like a geek that thinks the world revolves around like stuff I like. And I'm like, I like Mr. Miracle. We need like Mr. Miracle at some point in there. And I was like, like an Umbrella Academy fan, like before, like the, even the TV series. And I remember being like, I need to get like a panel of the Umbrella Academy, like in there. You know, there's all those collage shots kind of like gliding through. So a lot of that was like just me being a pain kind of towards the end and being like, I want to make sure all the stuff that like, I love and care about and got me into this world as I like concluded. So I didn't do myself any favors. <laughs> or Nick. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> so was there any one thing that came up during the process for either one of you? And I'm talking about all the way up until, you know, premiere that was a surprise that just you did, you weren't expecting good mm. or bad. Like just, mm. I would just say, I think like the biggest thing for me, that's like kind of been like, it's not a surprise in the fact that's just more of like, it's just really awesome. Like, cause you know, we can, we show this film to our friends. It premiered technically at Phoenix film festival, you know? And like, so we had like a lot of our friends and family go to it. Um, but also a lot of people that didn't know us that just like were at the festival and maybe didn't even really know a lot about comics. And so just like the, um, reviews that people have been saying and like how it's touched people in different ways. Um, that's been surprising to me, um, on that end of it, but I don't know if like, I'm trying to think of like surprises, like, yeah, I think one of the things, and it's, I had never thought of this until you, you asked that question of like, I don't know if we had, ex you know, you saying did anything like, mm -hmm. you know, like surprise you in terms of expectations i think one of the good things we did is we didn't really have expectations like to go from starting of oh we're just gonna yeah. interview people and we'll post these videos on youtube like everything kind of just built along the way and at the point which you, you know you're interviewing stanley and george r martin you're like okay this is something like people would want to see but we still had no idea mm -hmm. like how to do that or how to get it anywhere or how to get it on amazon prime and that wasn't really something like we talked about during. Uh -oh. So uh -oh. I don't, I think we were just doing it because it was something we wanted to do, something we both felt like this is fun, this is an important, you know, important. We'll let that stuff kind of take care of itself. So, yeah. like, I never really thought about it. Like, I'm glad too, because then you don't end up disappointed. Kind of, if you're just doing something because you love it and want to get it done, everything's in your control at that point. And, you know, whatever happens after that is, you know, good, I guess. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> what would be uh, an obstacle that you would want other you know up and coming documentary makers to know about um honestly like this is going to sound so cliche but like money and time yeah. it's yeah. it's so crazy so not even so like it was as you're going along like you know what I mean it's like oh a plane ticket here like a hotel ticket here or whatever it might be getting time off if you're working or, or things like that just finagling it with your schedule like we made all that work but i think a lot of people don't know what happens after. So mm -hmm. um, there's been so many things after that we've had to deal with that. Like I would have never in a million years ever thought about. So there's this thing called ENO insurance that I had no idea what that is. So it's basically, it's okay. We have a lawyer over here who is like, yes, I know what that is. I wish we would have had your counsel. Um, yeah, it's like, so there's all these things that like you have to have so someone doesn't sue your ass off. <laughs> um, title and clearance. Title clearance. And like, so hopefully, so one day it can go to Netflix and there's no obstacles there. Like, you know, it can be on Amazon Prime and all these different things. Um, so that's been something where it's like, okay, just all of a sudden it's like, hey, $4,000 here, $2,000 yeah. here. And we have just made it work. <laughs> yeah, I would, yeah, that's really a great point. Like that would be my biggest, biggest advice is like plan for post and like budget for post mm -hmm. and all these things that you don't know are gonna come up. You know, you think, okay, the movie's done. What more money do I need to spend? But there's all this like formatting it into this and the the, the original Blu-ray that was, I forget why we needed a Blu-ray at one point. We could not find a way to like burn it. Mm -hmm. We're like, how do we get this burned to a Blu-ray? Like, it's one of those things that would seem simple. They had, but we, we had to email a Blu-ray to Gravitas. I'm pretty sure. And is that, that was, what like, it was? And then we're like running all over, and every place is like, oh, we don't mm -hmm. do that. You know, we could make copies of a Blu-ray. I'm like, right, but we need this <laughs> to get on <onto laughs> to Blu be a Blu-ray, right? How do we get the first <laughs> Blu-ray? And like. I mean, people were quoting us like $700, and luckily, I think Nick's, some, Nick's cousin or someone that Nick knew was like, oh, no, I've got one. I'll just do it for you. So, I mean, that so would have been a $700 expense of literally just to get the movie to them and be like, can't you guys use a, can we just get you a link, please? And they're like, <laughs> no, we've got to do this, you know, do the right procedure. So, all those kind of things that you don't anticipate, but just crop up. Yeah. But besides that, like, you know, just like the very, like, okay, that's like, you know, very logistical stuff. Um, Just go for it. Like, mm -hmm. honestly, like, we have done everything and anything in our power and like literally like 
all these people are just so amazing. Like when you're doing something that you're passionate about and that you truly love, um, it's so cliche. I know it is, but like just the universe just opens up for you. You know, the fact that like we literally have never made a film before we barely had like a website. Like I think we have like at the time, I think we have like maybe a hundred followers across all of our social media platforms. We probably don't have that many more now. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but you know, it's just like, don't be afraid to go after it because there are so many people out there that like you might not even know yet that are going to help you. And if they can't help you, there's been so many times where people have gotten us in touch with people. So it's like really just believe in yourselves, believe in your team um, or surround yourself with a team that you do believe in. Um, because like, honestly, like there are just so many absolutely amazing people out there and in the state of this world right now, you know, it can be really easy to lose faith in humanity with like just everything that's going on right now. But we have really, we really owe this opportunity and these films and even being able to talk to you, like you even coming out here to like talk to us is like just such a great example of just, there are so many people out there that are willing to help and have been in your shoes before. So do not leave anything to regret. Go after <laughs> it. Like just do it. And kind of along those same lines, like choose something you're definitely passionate about because otherwise come editing you're gonna drive yourself insane <laughs> like i swear i've watched this movie like easily over 200 times and i still like enjoy like you know there's still like things that i enjoy and i'm like i think about i'm like can you imagine if i chose to do like the history of something that i don't really care about but i'm like oh but this will make money so i want to do this because i'll be able to sell i'm like I would have quit. Like, I think like on the hundredth time of having to watch this thing, I would have been like, I can't take this anymore. Like, I'm trying to think of an example of something like I'm interested in like a lot of, I'm just trying to think of something that like, wouldn't like, you know, jump out at me that I'd be like, oh, you know what? This hasn't been done. Let me just do this. Cause I know I can sell it. I really think I would have like on the hundredth like time been like, I quit. I don't want to listen to this person talk about this anymore. So like, luckily it was something I was passionate about and never like had a wane on that. So you know how many times Brad has been like, I can't hear your voice for yeah, one more yeah. second. <laughs> we were talking yesterday. I was like, I really think I just know the documentary by heart. I was like, I don't even, you know, like there's songs you think you know by heart, but you kind of need the song right. to play. I'm like, I think I could, if you give me a paper and a pen, I think I'd just be able to like go through the whole thing. I think I've like heard it so many times. So yeah, make sure it's something you legit enjoy and not oh i'll sell this so i'll do it so yeah. speaking about uh that and in, in my ignorance so did you have to go and pitch this to gravitas did you, i mean how did we got super fortunate yeah. like i said rom like literally sent like without brad even knowing i think yeah. like he just sent the link to gravitas because he had worked with them before and he has documentaries out maybe yeah. or films or something yeah he had like worked in that medium as well and like literally they were just like, yeah, we love it. Like finalize it by like this day or whatever. Yeah. And like, so we probably could have or should have shopped around, but like, we're just like, this is an opportunity like yeah. that. I don't know if we're ever going to get it. They wanted like, to have it on iTunes in July. I think what, what they wanted yeah. to have it ready f mm -hmm. for iTunes. And we didn't know maybe because of San Diego comic-con or like it something along those lines. But yeah, so we were just like, all right, let's do it. And we just like yeah. ran with it and it's worked out. Like, you know, to be on Amazon yeah. prime now is something we, I don't know. I like never. I said, we had no expectations. We wouldn't know that that's going to work out. So yeah, it's been really great. Yeah. And like, I, like the more you kind of like learn about this industry, the more you find out that like someone either has like an uncle or like comes <laughs> from like a family that you've heard of, or like, you know, just Hollywood is just like so tight knit mm -hmm. or, and just like the movie industry and film industry in general is like so tight knit. Um, yeah. So be able to do this and hopefully be able to mingle with other filmmakers in the future or whatever. Um, yeah, because I think a lot of times people have to go to film, like a lot of film festivals to try yeah. to get a distribution deal. I'm not sure exactly how that works. Mm -hmm. I'm not business-minded. I wish I was more, but yeah, we were just super, super fortunate. I mean, we, we pretty much were working with Gravitas even before the Phoenix Film Festival. Mm -hmm. um, like we kind of knew. So at the point we were playing at a Phoenix Film Festival, it was like, no pressure because we're like okay this is great we're just at this point showing it to an audience and i mean it's a little nerve-wracking too because that's the first time you're showing it to an yeah. audience so you don't even know like <laughs> what you know like we've already kind of told gravitas we would do this and now we're playing it what if everyone there hates it like you know so like there was that part was a little nerve-wracking but in yeah. the sense it was also pressure off of like okay we, we know which route we're going at this point so we're not like worrying hoping something pans out so there was, was a time like, where we're like are we gonna have to like tell phoenix film festival that we can't play our film Oh here. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were so nervous. We we're just newbies. We're like, yeah. we don't know. They were like, no, it's it's fine. Like, don't worry. We weren't in the competition. I think was a big yeah, thing too. Yeah, like we weren't competing. We were. They just included us. They were, it was really worked out crazy. We were having a geek day, mm. so it really worked out well. Like you know, to play us on geek day, and it just like worked out perfectly. So I guess that's another thing is uh, 
when did did you come up with the title? Did uh, you know the box art? Is, is that something that you came up to with too? Like all these things that you don't think about when you're making a, a documentary or making a movie. Like when did those thing, ideas come up? I thought of the idea forever ago, and I didn't realize how long ago. I forget. I was like searching for an old email. I think I needed to find like someone's like thing that they had, you know, waiver release or something. So I was like, oh my god, that was like back in like 2018 or like whatever when we first started this 2017. So I went back and I, yeah, like and I saw on that thing that they had signed. It said like Geek and You Shall Find. I was like, wow, that's kind of been the thing from the beginning. I didn't like think that was the case. Like, so I really don't know when. as far as the box art, like we're really fortunate that we have such a well-rounded team. Everyone brings something completely different to the table. So Arvin uh, does a lot of our graphic, does pretty much all our graphic design, um, and he he designed that. So yeah, we kind of just all like, and again, that got you know, in terms of the board and everything, just me being like, can we get this on there? Can we get that on there? So that kind of just became fun to build this. Like, what would it look like if you were tracing the history of geek culture? Like, what would it look like? Yeah, and so if anyone like kind of searches Geek and You Shall Find, you actually see different types of art. Some mm. of it is Arvin's, and then some of it is like what Gravitas did as mm. well. So it was so funny. We made a joke where like someone's going to think like someone's going to order a DVD and going to see the art, and it's different <laughs> than like what you see on like Amazon Prime or whatever for the cover. Um, and they're going to think it's like some knockoff from like China, yeah, 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 like bootleg thing. And I was like, it's just, it's really funny. <laughs> and we actually have some right now that we just ordered too. We thought that maybe they would change the art to like the updated one but it's still Arvin so we're like oh that's cool so the one I saw was the push the push pin board Mm -hmm. yeah that's Arvin Arvin. yeah Mm -hmm. the other one is pretty much a logo and there's like a a throne with like dragons coming out of it um kind of generic we'll have to find it yeah yeah there's like two completely different ones so that's what Kelsey's (laughs) saying if you order something online and you're seeing the one like some websites I think like Best Buy I think has like the newer art but if they get the DVD and Blu-ray, they're going to get the old art on the cover. So it's just one of those. So anyone out there, like, if you get, don't worry about it. There's two different covers. So, uh, yeah, this is. Yeah, so that's the one. Oh. That I know visual stuff doesn't make for good. I know. Good. Hey, guys, I, you yeah. want to see I this? I hate when I'm listening to a podcast and, <laughs> like, they're doing it. something. And I'm like, Amazon do they Prime. realize that, like, I can't see what they've been talking about for the past five minutes? So sorry. <laughs> They'll just have to search on Amazon yeah. Prime and find it on there. And you'll see the difference. Okay, so <laughs> when you're not making movies, what is it that you particularly love to geek out about? Like, obviously, Brad, you, you're into comic books. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we hear it. A little bit of everything. Um, you know, I'm one of those people, like, I'm never, I'm never an expert on anything. So, like, I always kind of wonder, like, if people were like, you know, oh, you can't name this, like, Star Wars planet and stuff like that. I'm like, I never pretend to be, like, someone who knows a lot about one, but I know a bit about like every universe like I'm not a Doctor Who fan but I have a basic like knowledge of Doctor Who and you know like how the phone puts the phone booth calls yeah I should probably know that the TARDIS like you know I know the you know the planet he comes from I know kind of the regeneration stuff so I'll know a little bit even if I haven't seen it but sometimes you'll meet someone who's passionate about one particular and they'll like run off and I'll be like oh you lost me a few minutes ago but the good thing is I enjoy like learning that stuff so when someone does talk to me about something that i don't know about and i love seeing the power i mean that's what kind of started us i love the parallels between different like fiction so i like when someone's explaining it to me and we think in my head like oh, okay that's basically like you know the jedi needing to figure out how to put their lightsaber together and i, I kind of like like putting it together and be, seeing it through a fiction i'm familiar with mm-hmm. so that's always something like i enjoy geeking out about is just learning about new fictional universes and seeing the parallels between ones i already have a familiarity with yeah you're super into like mythology and stuff right yeah yeah so yeah like uh hunger games being like basically um the myth of theseus and kind of you know they have tributes that go to this island and in the case of theseus it was you have to slay the minotaur and in case of Katniss Everdeen it's you got to fight amongst each other and it was like this one powerful person sending them on you know in the original myth it's a ship but of course like you know Suzanne Collins gave it an updated and had them go up those tubes so like I like seeing that kind of stuff and seeing like what the inspirations for something might have been yeah yeah and I would say I like well currently I work for the Arizona Humane Society so like I love um, animals I love the environment I geek out about that stuff and like trying to help um, in real ways like that but I guess when it comes to like superheroes and stuff like that, I mean, 
Game of Thrones is my thing. I don't even want to get into the last two seasons, especially the last season. But that's like what I super geek out about. I love Wonder Woman. Um, but yeah, I just love anything that I think can like help others. Um, I don't have like a huge platform to be able to like save all the elephants or be able to save the rainforest. I don't have a billion dollars I can donate to Australia right now. So just being able to tell stories that like help other people or animals or the environment or whatever it may be, like I just, I love it. I eat it up. I, I absolutely love it. That's the way that I feel like I can help the world be a little bit of a better place. Yeah, you're always just like a connection away, which is like crazy. Like we might not have the ability to do these kind of things, but you never know when you go on a platform and you inspire someone who's smarter than you that can fix these things. So I might not have solutions to these problems, but the second you let people know that something is a problem, you never know when someone's going to be listening and be like, well, can't that be solved just by doing like X, Y, Z? And be like, you just like solve this great problem. Like, So, you know, keep out, out there and like keep, addressing problems and raising awareness because you never know when that one person's going to come along that does have a solution yeah the, i mean we here we definitely don't keep geeks into just comic books or movies and stuff like that it's you're into horse massage then that's the thing you can yeah. get about that's your passion yeah. and that's what we love to hear about so you know uh the environment and and helping people is obviously something great to geek out about um what is it that you guys love to do on your off time though if if you have off time you know, everybody Man. is very it's very low on a lot of people's oh my goodness we each like to travel yeah, so yeah, like kelsey you, just yes. did some crazy cruise that i was super jealous of mm. um me my girlfriend a bunch of friends did oktoberfest the year before last so I, I loved getting the chance to travel. And like that's what we kind of ultimately hope is that we get the opportunity to travel more like through following our passions and get to go to new places and see how these things kind of inspire the things everyone like loves today. Honestly, like when we tell you like Brad like literally goes home after work and yeah. like is working <laughs> on our next project or like working on stuff like this, like I come home and try to get like stuff out for like this documentary and like researching stuff like that too. Um, yeah, so there's not a ton of free time, but yeah, travel's a good one if if you can, like yeah. if we can manage it. Because that's the only time too. It kind of forces me to not be working on stuff. Mm -hmm. Like there's mm -hmm. really like you know I don't have you know I'll usually have my laptop, but I'm not gonna have my external and be set up to edit if I'm like traveling in some new foreign city. So yeah, that's probably the thing I like to do because that's the closest I come to being able to switch off and like not having to think about stuff. It's so for a funny second. that we say that though. We like to do that in our spare time though, because it's like a once in like every two years like thing. Like but that's like, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah that's it i mean going to comic cons and stuff even <laughs> yeah. for fun is mm -hmm. you know like still a great experience yeah, to go for fun doing. is a completely different experience now than for going for work right right yeah like i still go to i've gone to san diego comic con i've been really fortunate i think like 15 years in a row so you know seeing that grow to what it is but a lot of times i go and i'm not you know i'm like i'm leaving the camera back at the hotel today i'm just walking around as a fan so i can experience it but even then you can't help but be like oh we gotta interview <laughs> I, this I guy yeah person. yeah yeah, like so. Yeah, hey, so. here's my card. Would right. you love to do something? <laughs> like, okay, yeah. I'll bring sure. the camera back tomorrow. Yeah. So I've I've had a lot of that yeah. actually. Like, still, it's still networking and still meeting people. So yeah, it's it's an amazing experience. <laughs> so what's that dream destination that you haven't gone to yet? Oh, mine's Japan easily. Japan. Oh gosh, I have a lot. So I would love to go to Egypt. Like <laughs> I was like when I was little, I thought I was gonna be like an archaeologist and like do all these different things and so like I fell in love with ancient Egypt it was the bullwhip right <laughs> yes that's exactly. thank you yes um I just I don't know like and just being able to see that I actually saw like all the mummies and stuff when they came around to the science center so that was like really cool um so I'd love to go to Egypt um I know this is like really crazy but I think Antarctica would be like absolutely amazing I would probably never be able to get there unless I work for like Nat or something like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would love, oh my gosh. I honestly, like, I want to see everything. Like I want to go to Russia, like even though that's like really crazy right now and like scary, just like Egypt kind of is. Go on a safari. Man, what about you though? Like that's a hard question because like I think about that a lot of like. I, I think about traveling all the time. Yeah. But I, I've never been outside of the country. Like, no. Oh, wow. It, it, yeah, I know. It, it's even so Mexico? Weird. So, or do you not count that? I, well, living in Yuma, you you kind of can go on the other side of the border and you oh, you border okay. town, and that, yeah. it doesn't really count because right. I've been doing mm -hmm. it. It's like going school. across the street and yeah, coming exactly. back. Got yeah. it. Okay. But okay. I've never gone farther. I've never gone into Mexico City or even uh, Rocky Point. Like I've mm -hmm. never done anything like that. So 
Oh yeah. my goodness. No, it's just, it's, it's Arizona, California, Nevada. Like those are the three states. That <laughs> the I've Southwest been. though is awesome. You yes. can see a lot of stuff in the Southwest. So what would be your first country? Like if tomorrow you're given a ticket anywhere, where would you most want to go? It would have been Australia, but mm, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's obviously a lot going yeah. on right there. I don't, I don't know. So uh, I've always wanted to go back to my ancestral home of Thailand. Like oh, my wow. parents, That's my smart. mother's from there. So I would want to go there or Scotland. Like those oh. are the three things that I've always wanted to do. Both absolutely amazing. Yeah, she's been she's been yeah. the both. I've been to Scotland. Thailand's really high on my list. Like really, really like probably like Japan, more of Italy and Thailand are probably like my top three. So the best thing about Thailand is the food. Like but everything is so great about Thailand. So it's like hard to say. Like yeah, you, like it's so crazy. It's like you just gotta go. You just like Yeah. I feel like um with American culture and like the work culture that we're kinda put in, it's like it's always like, okay, work, 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 work. Save, 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 save. But then you don't like have any PTO or anything like that. So it's like you just just you just gotta do it. Like you're never gonna regret traveling yeah. ever. And then you might not come back and we'll have to do this <laughs> podcast remotely. <laughs> <laughs> so Okay, then it, when you have just have downtime at home, is it is it reading? Is it watching movies? Is it playing video games? Is it listening to music? Unfortunately, what? not a gamer anymore. I used to be big in the video games, and I'm so <laughs> glad now I'm not just because of how time-consuming it was. And I'm like, I don't know how... Like, I was thinking... Literally the other day, I was thinking about, I was like, man, I used to do like a season of Madden and I used to like create my roster and make trades and then like play a full season. I'm like, that's crazy. I'm like, I was playing like 15 minute quarters. I'm like, how much time did I have when I was a kid that I could like do that? So I'm really glad that like I naturally just have been, I mean, I don't even know the newest video game system I have. Uh, Watching movies, watching TV. I watch a lot of TV. I read a lot. Everyone tells me I read too much nonfiction. I should read more fiction. Um, So I read like a lot of psychology books and things like that. And people are like, you know, for someone who's into like geek culture as much as you, you should be like, you know, I've read Hunger Games, but I'm working my way through the game of of Song of Ice and Fire books now. But those are enormous but i'm working my way through those i swear i've been on the second book for over well over a year so it's okay you'll probably you know yeah, get, get I'll still catch up. <laughs> you'll have time to catch up uh, okay so then what's on that dvr for tv shows because i mean right now is literally the golden age for television like yeah. it's some of the best like watchmen literally the best show that i ever watched in my life wow really i would say so i need to get on that i heard someone say though that like if you're not a huge fan of the comics that you're going to be really lost so she never read the comic never saw the movie ended up loving the show okay all right that's okay so that i saw that and i wanted to see that yeah there's certain stuff that that, like my like because i do remember thinking the first couple of episodes i'm like i'm glad like i know the graphic novel or i would have no so it's interesting to hear like what the perspective like would be from someone because like you know the the outlong of superheroes and like all that kind of stuff i was like they really never which is good like i'll always take a a series not spoon feeding Mm -hmm. like people and like having like extra narrative and like well, ever since they outlawed superheroes back during this time period and be like, come on, that's so forced. No one talks like that. So I'm glad they like trust the audience to figure things out. But that one, I kept thinking, I was like, I don't know if I'd figure like any, but then again, if you figure out Game of Thrones, like I go back and I watch stuff with Game of Thrones and I'm like, how did I even know what was going on in season one? Like, wasn't I like, who are those people that they just reference that don't come till season two? Like, I'm like, how did I not give up on this show? So Well, because we also, like, watched with our friends. Yeah. So, so we, like, literally every Sunday would, like, have, like, a whole living room full of people. And we had, like, bets going on. Yeah. We drafted <laughs> people. And yeah. if, like, so we would, like, put money in. And if your person died, like, if anyone on your team died, like, you wouldn't get a chance with money. It was, like, really crazy. We were, like, super intense. So that's how. Because we had people that read the books. Yeah. So a lot of times, yeah. like, that helped because they would like explain like what stuff was and I'd be like you know what's the golden company you know I I don't know what that is like oh okay this is this and then like it wouldn't come back on the show for like three seasons so there are a lot of times I'm like well why do you even need to explain that to me so it was weird too like going from book readers because they would tell you stuff they thought was important mm-hmm. and then like you'd be like Never why'd you tell it. me that like you know what's the prince that was promised like why'd you tell me like all that stuff and like it never mattered so that was interesting so I mean that would I would say that I, like I was telling you before we started recording, we have that other podcast where we do the recap and review mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. We were doing Watchmen, so she was part of that, and we would talk about you know the stuff that would come that came from the comic book. And I, I'm hoping that helped her enjoy the show a little bit more. <laughs> uh, but that's how I first got introduced to, to Game of Thrones because my partner, who we started, I started that podcast with, would tell me stuff about the book, and then we would talk about the show, oh, the cool. episodes afterwards. So I would learn 
about the extra stuff and we would do segments called uh, legacies and it's like okay so this is the character that was kind of prominent in this episode or this was the idea that was prominent here's all the stuff that goes with that that's that's awesome, awesome. that's that is, really cool yeah. and it's i'm sure so many people need that yeah. because if we didn't have our friends i'd read the books like yeah we'd absolutely yes yeah. there's yeah. no way <laughs> oh my goodness so uh you talked about it a little bit. What and if you can't talk about it more, that's understandable. What's next projects, stuff coming up? Yeah, we've already been working on those. Like that's why we see we don't really have a lot of free time because a lot of our <laughs> free time goes to future projects. We actually just went to LA for a couple, of, well, a couple times to LA for a couple of interviews. Um, but yeah, we're working on actually speaking of Game of Thrones, um, more of a series, um, diving into Game of Thrones, and the next one would be like Star Trek and sci-fi and like how it relates to like labor and labor unions and stuff like that. Brad can definitely articulate more on those, um, but super excited. I'm, I'm absolutely stoked. Yeah, those are the next big two things is we're doing a series like kind of talking about the backgrounds of Game of Thrones because that just the story of game George R. R. Martin is crazy interesting like I google like every other day to be like why does he not have a biography about uh, like I don't get it like there are all these people that have like 10 biographies written I'm like how many times can you read the same story of this person but like how he doesn't have one is like beyond me like I mean, he definitely has, like, a big fan base. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those people that, like, is under the perception of, like, oh, he did Game of Thrones, and that's when he became a big writer. Like, Mm -hmm. he was definitely well-established with stuff he'd done. Back, I literally just read yesterday a story he wrote. Okay, this is crazy. This I just learned this. (laughs) And these are, I go off on all these, like, little, like, down these rabbit holes. Um, So I've been researching, obviously, a lot of Game of Thrones stuff. And there's this story he wrote called, I want to say it's called, like, Seven Times Kill a Man. And it was published in a science fiction, like, you know, one of those books that collects, like, short stories. It was published in 1974, and there's our, our characters in it. And it's basically Return of the Jedi, where it's this big imperial, like, powerful empire. And they're attacking this, like, forest of some, like, alien species who are basically, like, Ewoks that are, you know, like can only fight with like spears and like stones and stuff like that and they're protecting their pyramids from like getting blown up and what i found was that when this was published in 1974 there was cover art for it and when star wars was getting made chewbacca was gonna look like a big green alien which i know a lot of people know like because they've seen the original like concept Mm -hmm. art for chewbacca was he was gonna be this big green alien at some point and then what was given to oh wow I can't believe I can't remember his the concept artist for Star Wars um, oh oh that's really bad I, um, I know God John's I love this stuff too like right now. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna get killed later but um, when he was given the the concept art someone finally told showed him this artwork that was used on the George R. R. Martin story and said like make Chewbacca look like this. And if you see the original artwork, it literally looks exactly like Chewbacca. So I'm like, so if not for George R. R. Martin, Chewbacca would be a big green alien. Like, Ugh, that's crazy. That so like, weird. there are so many like little things that he's had his hand in that no one ever talks about that I just find like super interesting. I'm like, how is there not a book about him? So. Also, also sounds like the plot to Avatar. Yeah, it's definitely like an environmentally <laughs> a, yeah. like, and it's like a story no one talks about. So. I ended up going on a tangent, but to say, like, you know, he's had a long established career and has done a lot of stuff mm. before Game of Thrones. And I wish I got, like, acknowledged. And the fact that, you know, he came out with this book, Armageddon Rag, that, you know, commercially was considered a failure, but it got great reviews, won tons of awards, but for some reason didn't sell. And after that, he didn't write a book for, I think, over 10 years. So to go, so, you know, I don't mean to say, like, oh, he wasn't successful before Game of Thrones, but I don't know what what age he was when Game of Thrones came out, but to achieve success that late in life, and to hear kind of the stories of how that's been a struggle for him of, you know, I can't go to a bookstore anymore, I can't, you know, do all these things that I used to take for granted that I can go, I used to be able to go to Comic-Cons, and he's like, I can't do that anymore. So it's, like, really interesting, I'm trying to think of something, I mean, Stanley, I think, was 40 when he created Spider-Man. But I can't think of someone that's like, you know, had a bigger impact on pop culture and did so at like a later point in life than George Armand. I just think that's super interesting that he got to be influenced by all these things for, let's say, 60 years of life rather than some people who achieve success at like 25. And you're like, what would you know at 25? Like, you didn't know anything like 
how do you get to write this? So, like, you know, I think he's someone, I think that's part of the reason Game of Thrones is so successful is he spent years studying world history. He spent years studying, like, what works in fiction and what doesn't. Spent years studying mythology. So I just think he's just got, like, a fascinating story, and that's what we kind of wanted to tell. Yeah, definitely. There's, like, yeah, we've been finding so many different things, like, that we're super excited to tell about this. Like he said, one is going to be like more focused on the mythology that we see in Game of Thrones and what might have influenced it. Some of some of the histor- historical stuff, and then like on the tail end of like what it's actually trying to say about like society and how it, and how hopefully we can help learn from it. Awesome. And then the Star Trek labor law. So we're thinking. <laughs> uh, so after that, we've been doing interviews for. Um, we've been really fortunate to get a lot of interviews that we'd not expect to be able to get, like really quickly early on. That we were like kind of doubling up at times, and it got it got really crazy. We were like doing like three interviews in a day, and like two or for one documentary, one for the other. But the other one would kind of be Star Trek and science fiction as a whole, and how they kind of always have reflected what's going on in mm-hmm. like the labor movement at the time in which they came out. So going back from like the, you know, and maybe it is coincidence, but I, I don't think it's coincidence that we see like this rise in science fiction right around the time of the industrial like revolution. And, you know, that's when you start getting like the time machine and, you know, like a lot of books that were written around like the 1800s and Frankenstein and kind of those kind of things of like, okay, what happens when machinery is given the opportunity to run amok? And at what point like is humanity lost because of that? And then just kind of following along, like, you know, if you, if you trace the line of like labor movement laws and when things started to change, and just seeing how much did science fiction reflect, you know, impact that and vice versa. So a lot of times it is like a book coming out that raises awareness about something that leads to a, you know, a cultural change. Like, and Star Trek is like such a good example of, you know, having real life influences and things, you know, the first interracial kiss ever being on TV. There's so Mm -hmm. many things that like are attributed to Star Trek that again, maybe aren't discussed like as much as they should. Like the Lucille Ball, like, you know, oh, yeah, you know, Lucille Ball being kind of the reason that series started to begin with. There's so many interesting like things about that series that we just think should be more discussed. Okay, so this is that uh, opportunity to do the social media stuff. So, where can where is it that my listeners can find you online? Yes, please give us a follow. Thank you so much for speaking to us. This has been super fun. Um, yes, yeah, so you can vis- give us a follow on Facebook at Superhero Faces. Um, also on Twitter, it's at Superhero Faces. And then on Instagram, because uh, like I mentioned, we're not so great at it. We actually <laughs> locked ourselves out of Superhero Faces. So it's our account, but Instagram won't let us get back into it. So we're at Superhero underscore Faces. There you go. <laughs> I one mean, day we'll the other get one that too. original name back. <laughs> Yeah, that's been fun. It's usually the way it works, though, right? <laughs> uh, no, thank you. Thank you for uh, doing this right right now. And uh, and also the documentary, once again, is on Amazon Prime. But yes. is it other places? These iTunes? iTunes. It's on a lot of different. PlayStation. Yeah, iTunes, PlayStation, Voodoo, um, which I've actually YouTube. never heard of. YouTube. Yeah, so if you just Google Geek and You Shall Find, it's basically on any VOD platform. Um, but even if you don't have any of those, um, there are some that's actually for free too. I think Tubi, it's on mm-hmm. for Tubi, free right yeah. now as well. And then, um, but yeah, if you don't have that, you can rent it on Amazon Prime. I think it's just five bucks to rent or, or on iTunes. iTunes yeah. You could uh, buy a DVD or um, a Blu-ray as well if you guys want to go old school like that. So if you want to talk to me, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia, G-E-M, G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, geekelitemedia.com. But until next time, this is Hey Mitch on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek geek out. out. Oh, sorry. This concludes our broadcast. 